0: Because there's just nothing better than this. The Trojansports.com podcast kicks off. Right now? Right now. No, no, I don't know. You said. Cock-a-doodle-doo,
1: Bob. Oh, yeah.
0: Direct from rivals in Yahoo Sports, this this is the Trojansports.com podcast. For a USA touchdown. With Trojan Sports publisher, Chris P. Swanson. Move on. You love
1: 33. You better cut that out, man. I swear. That better, I better not hear that on the podcast. You mean about the him doing that? Yeah, we broke down. the. the oh, okay
0: beat reporter adam j maya here we go yeah. we start yeah. as- it's the weekly radio show you need for everything usc Is you that your first joke the kids are back that's really a good one follow trojansports.com on twitter at usc
1: underscore rivals
0: the trojansports.com podcast kicks off now
1: Welcome back to another edition of the Trojansports.com podcast. I'm the publisher of Trojansports.com, Chris Swanson. I am here with Adam J. Maya. Adam, how are you doing today?
0: I'm really good. It's Monday morning and my son went to his, I guess, unofficial first day of school. Um, It's not preschool. It's like pre-preschool. I don't know. His mother went with him and stayed there.
1: Did you guys take official visits to different preschools, name a top five, you know, call different schools and tell them they were eliminated later in the process and then announce a decision?
0: We were just recruited to the school. This is more like oh, wow. high school, like <laughs> not high school to college, but grade school to high school. Yeah, we used the recruiting service. One of those great, great ones in Orange County that people were reporting.
1: Well, wow, I'm very impressed. I was never recruited to do anything. I was uh, always probably shoved away from doing things by different people and organizations, but never recruited. So I'm impressed with your son. He's already more accomplished than me.
0: Yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, um, it's good to be here, though. Talking U.S. football, it's the week that we've all been waiting for, I feel like. So um, we have a lot to talk about. I did want to just say that we wanna send our thoughts and prayers out to the people of Houston. Uh, my in-laws are there and um, and many others. And it's just wild right now. What you see on TV just seems unreal. But I guess apparently these hurricanes, every, every few years or so, they can get like this, according to my wife uh, who grew up there. And uh, currently her family is okay. But I just, I don't even, I I can't even process what's happening. And so I'm not not sure if if things can change dramatically overnight or what. But it's been very scary and, you know, just strange to think about, especially sitting here in LA where we we just don't have anything like that. So uh, we wanted to, again, send our thoughts and prayers to the people of Houston.
1: Yep, definitely. Very well said, Adam. I'm completely with you there. I also, getting back to uh, the site and the show, before we get into it, I also want to tease a few things that I've been doing uh, with recruiting news. A few recruiting updates I think uh, you guys should be reading, and if you're not subscribed, you should be subscribed and checking out. Uh, I have an update on a local kid, a local lineman who's committed to Alabama that USC is targeting. I have all the latest details on him. I'm not going to give away any names because I didn't on the front page either, but go check that out. It's a big-time uh, offensive line prospect that I know a lot of people on our message board are excited about. I have the latest on five-star quarterback Justin Fields, the the guy that a lot of people think is the number one quarterback in this class and a kid that USC is uh, really fighting for and, and trying to sign. Uh, I have the latest on Isaac Taylor Stewart, uh, who could potentially play... Uh, on both sides of the ball at USC, apparently. Uh, so check out that article. Latest Chris, on... we, we've heard that
0: before about a lot of kids in the last few years. I know that you got to see him this past weekend. Do you really believe that? Do you see him as someone who would actually play both sides? Or would it be he'll play really well on one side or the other?
1: If you're asking me to pick, I'm saying he's going to play really well on defense at okay. USC. Uh, but their pitch is that he could play both sides and potentially uh have the ball in his hands as well and he at least at the high school level was really impressive doing that uh so check out that story a lot of info on what's going on in his recruitment also uh, a couple other guys jaron kump jeremiah martin uh you know uh, lineman and uh defensive end so i know people are always excited about that we got the latest on them a little inside scoop on jeremiah martin's top schools and where usc stands for him so uh make sure you're subscribed if you're not because if you're not subscribed you hear a great podcast but uh you're missing out on a lot of recruiting info and also on a lot that adam maya does on the beat that no one else does you know he does has a lot of coverage on the beat you're not going to find anywhere else so even if you're not into recruiting i think it's worth it just for adam maya i think he's a superstar Oh, yeah. You mean it? Yeah, I do. That's why you're on staff, Adam. If I didn't feel that way, right, I'd probably be talking to to, to somebody else. I'd probably be talking to Murph Baldwin right now. And and speaking of Murph Baldwin, uh, (laughs) we have a a special announcement. Uh, Murph's going to be doing a special podcast for us previewing. Every opponent uh, that USC has this coming season, so I know you guys are all expecting us to talk about the first game. We will a little bit, but uh, Murph Baldwin's really going to do a deep dive into that. Look for that podcast to come this week, and before uh, every game, uh, Murph is going to review the film from uh, the the team that USC's playing and really break them down and give you guys an in-depth look that I think that no one else can give you and that we haven't had before, so look out for that coming this week another podcast two podcasts a week now that we're in season that's gonna be fun uh, so I think that's really exciting I'm really excited for it cuz Murph is uh, he always produces uh, some great stuff in my mind I know Adam you agree with that
0: yeah no he's a favorite of mine and uh, when you told me that we were gonna get him on board for a podcast I called him and we started brainstorming immediately so this is a show that will come in the middle of the week and then our show will come by every Monday. It might come Sunday sometimes, but at least by Monday. That's the show that Chris and I are doing. And then Murph's show will come, we're hoping, by Wednesday, maybe Thursday.
1: Yeah. So today's show, what we're really going to focus on is uh, USC's depth chart, uh, which they just released uh, yesterday. And I, we talked about this a little bit last week, too. So we're really going to get into it and, and kind of rate uh, each position how we're feeling uh, with, you know, their depth and uh, the quality of the starters that are out there and kind of give you guys an idea of what we're thinking about USC's roster, uh, you know, right before the season gets started. Uh, So if you haven't seen the depth chart, make sure to get on to Trojansports.com. We have it completely updated. Uh, It's on our front page in the drop down menu. Check it out. Uh, Not a lot of surprises if you've been paying attention. But uh, we're going to get into it and let you guys know what we think of this roster. So uh, let's start with everybody's favorite position at USC right now, quarterback. Adam, uh, why don't you give us your, your rating on the quality of these players, uh, I guess uh, the depth, the quality of the depth, I should say, and uh, your rating on uh, what you think of uh, the starting uh, players and their ability to get it done.
0: Okay, and how are we doing this, one through five?
1: Yeah. Okay. I like that scale.
0: Okay. So five being the highest and one being the lowest. In terms of the starting quarterback, five out of five. I think that goes without saying. Um, I think Sam Darnold will finish his career as the most talented USC quarterback that we've seen. And again, I, I don't think he's going to beat Matt Leinart's career in terms of the resume, but. I think he's a better individual player, and I think that he'll prove that with another great season. With the depth, that's a different story. So basically, you look at what's behind Arnold, and if Arnold were unavailable, you have a redshirt freshman in Matt Fink and a true freshman Jack Sears. And this would really be true of, of any situation. Typically, when you have a redshirt freshman and a true freshman. But I think with these two in particular, you don't want them getting significant time right now. Not in 2017. So that rating, I'm going with a 2. And again, that's just for right now. This isn't their future. I'm not projecting them two years down the road or anything like that. I'm talking about if they had to play right now, I think the drop-off from Darnold to whoever played would be from a 5 to about a 2.
1: I completely agree with that assessment. I think Sam Darnold is most likely maybe the best quarterback in all of college football, so he's a 5 beneath him if he goes down, if he's injured. I'm incredibly nervous, uh, you know, I either one, because you're either starting a freshman or a redshirt freshman that, you know, many people said uh, was a project coming into college. So that's not a good scenario. I agree with your ratings of five and two completely. And I just want to say that if USC had Ricky Town, they would actually be in a much better spot right now. So, Ricky, I'm sure USC fans all <laughs> miss you, just so you know.
0: I want to mention, too, I talked to Jack Spears this week, this past week, and we got to have that redshirt conversation And he made it clear to me that he wants to play this year. I found that very interesting because quarterback is at one position where even with a true freshman, they'll openly tell you that they're comfortable redshirting and they're willing to wait. And because Sam Darnold's a starting quarterback, he could have easily said, I'm totally fine leading the scout team and developing And waiting my turn. And while he wants Sam to do well in that the situation that Darnold would have an incredible year and maybe win the Heisman and lead the team to a national title, if Darnold's not available, Jack wants to play. He wants to burn that red shirt. He wants to get on the field. Now, I'm sure that it's a sliding scale and, and maybe later in the season, he's less likely to play or less willing to play as he would be in September or early October. But I got the impression from him that he's not looking to just red shirt, that he would be happy to be the backup because the backup quarterback this season might play a good amount. And you might see Matt Fink who is the backup right now play in every game or play nearly every game and play entire fourth quarters, and maybe even more than that. And that's just McDonald, you know, being available just because I think they're going to blow out some kings. So Jack Sears wants to be the backup quarterback and he wants to play this year. What, what do you think about that, Chris?
1: He's competitive. I mean, that's that's what it is and I, I think that's a good thing. I you know, I think that to have that competitive nature means that you have a chance to be a star. I'm always kind of concerned when I see kids that are okay with red shirting or you know, are just like, Oh, whatever, you know, my crew it'll figure itself out in five years time, Jack Sears wants to get on the field. I think that that's a really good sign. And I, I think that he is that type of player. I think he is an ultra competitor and we'll see if that translates into him being a star in the future. I think it could.
0: Yeah, all right.
1: Tailbacks. Oh, Adam, I know what you're going to say here. Would you like me to go for i go, I'm going first on tailbacks. We're just going to alternate. We're going to do that. Um, so for the quality of the starter, who is Ronald Jones the 2nd I'm going to go with a four. And for the depth I'm of the position and everybody there and what would happen beneath him if he was out or whatever, I'm also going to go... With a four and not because I think that there's another back, you know, that's as good as Ronald Jones right now, but because I like their backfield. I think they, you know, they have some talent. So uh, youthful talent, definitely. And uh, some experience and, uh, I I like how this backfield's looking. So Ronald Jones II, I feel like, could be a five. I feel like he could take a jump to that next level, but I'm still expecting it to happen. So I'm a little hesitant on giving him a five. I think he's that kind of talent. I think when he's, you know, in the open field, it's like, whoa, like, this guy is, you know, an NFL star. But when I just think of a five, and I think of that perfect, like, Sam Darnold, you know, when I think of the equivalent of Sam Darnold for a tailback, I'm thinking, like, Reggie Bush or whatever. So he's not there yet to me, but he's almost there. But I like what's underneath him, too. I know Stephen Carr is a freshman, but he's a special freshman, and I feel like if he gets a chance, he's going to look really, really good this year. And then I think underneath him, you have, you know, some quality backups. They might not be the uber-talented USC, you know, Heisman Trophy-winning type running back, which is what I see out of, you know, the talent that Ronald Jones has or Stephen Carr has. Uh, but I think that they're guys that, if you put in there, you know, they're Probably decent Pac-12 running backs, you know, guys that you could definitely get away with. Uh, I think they could find a role for Malapai. I think that uh, Akasedric Ware is kind of in his more comfortable place now that he's sort of battling for the third spot instead of, you know, battling for the first spot. I feel like is that kind of tailback. That's a really nice third or fourth string tailback to have. I think tailback's looking good for USC, so I'd say four in both categories.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you more than I want to here. <laughs> okay, so with Rojo, I agree. He could be a 5. He might prove to be a 5 this year. A 5 to me is an every down back, 5 yards per carry, and you can trust him whether you're in the red zone or wherever else. Rojo has to prove that. But I think he might do it this year. But we just have to see him do it first. Before I'm willing to give him a five, and then with the depth, I'm looking at it and I'm trying to remember when they were this deep. I think it's been a while. I I'm almost inclined to say right when Carol left. It might be when they had McKnight and Stefan Johnson, and Bradford and Cable, Mark Tyler. That that was that was oh eight. I think I think they're that deep. I think they're that deep. A couple of years ago, on paper they looked good because they had Justin, they had Rojo as a freshman, they had Trey Madden, but Trey couldn't stay healthy. And that's when Justin had a breakout year. And then Rojo didn't get a lot of carries, but he made the most of them. And so they, they should at least be that deep. But I think they're deeper because obviously they have Another body, in, you know, with where Malapai, Carr, Rojo. I really like their depth, and if they had a little bit more experience, I would probably say five here. I don't think most teams in America have this many dependable backs on their roster. So I agree. Yeah, I, I really like this group. Vivai obviously hasn't played yet. We've just watched him practice a lot to the point where you trust him. And then Ware has played a little bit, and it's kind of underrated. You know, Maybe he's not as exciting as some of the other guys, but his yards per carry, career average is over five, and he's been pretty productive when he's gotten a chance. And he's had a couple games where he's really gotten real work and gone over 100 yards. And I, I've told you before, I think Carr is outstanding and going to be their most talented back on the team. And then Rojo is going to maybe push for 1,400 rushing yards. So, again, I'm tempted to say five, but I don't think that they've proven that yet. My projection is that they're going to be maybe of a a quality of a five in terms of depth. I'm giving them a four in both levels. The only issue I have is with the gap chart, and it's something that we expected. I think I even mentioned it last week that we might see... Where ahead of Carr and Vavai. And and they ended up putting all three of them equally. They put Rojo one and the other three, their ores. That's just not what it's been in practice. Now, in the opener, I'm betting that Carr will come in second after Rojo. But I don't know that he'll get the second most carries. Maybe in this game, because it's Western Michigan. But that's just not the way the reps are going. And I don't foresee it being like that for very long. I think he's a little bit behind the other two. I think Bavai has a role. So I don't know that he's going to get a bunch of carries. But I feel like situationally, they're going to turn to him and use him as the primary back. And we've even seen a little bit of the two-back sets. And I don't want to get into too many details about that. Because I, I feel like I'd be giving away strategy no. And, and we're not allowed to do that, but nope. Um, they are, they're getting creative with these running backs in practice. And in like I said, Stephen Carr, I think can do a little bit of everything and do it well. And I really think that he is going to become their number two back very soon. If he's not already.
1: And as our good friend, and coach Deland McCullough hears after media scrums. Don't forget about James Toland and Ruben Peters. Okay. On to wide receiver. Three positions listed on the depth chart, because because I'm sure that there's 15 positions listed on this depth chart for offense, actually, since I see a fullback and a tight end here as well. But Adam, I'm gonna let you attack this monster first. That's why I took tailbacks. Go ahead, tell me what you think of uh, USC's wide receiver situation.
0: Okay, well, the depth chart was a bit interesting. It's what we've been reporting with Deontay Burnett, Jalen Green, and Steven Mitchell as the starters. And that's what I was guessing. But when you look at what they put behind them, they listed Tyler Vaughn and Josh Bebe and Randall Grimes all equal behind Jalen Green. That's a farce. That's just not true. Tyler Vines is clearly the next guy up and I think competing to be a starter. Now we are you know less than a week out from the opener and we've seen these things change in this week. So we might see Vines become the starter this week. I really don't know. They've had Green and Mitchell paired for about three weeks now. I guess I'm thinking that they're gonna keep it that way for the, the beginning of the game. And I think they're doing a lot of this because they're playing Western Michigan. I don't really like that. But I think that that's the way that they're approaching it. Where we can do whatever we want with the depth chart. We're playing this team and we're gonna we're gonna be able to ease into it. That's the feeling I get. I don't feel like they're listing their best players at the top of each respective position. That's what I see when I look at the wide receivers. I think Vaughn's has definitely been among the top three, without question. He's probably been number two beyond Gianca Burnett.
1: I want to hear the Adam Meyer receiver starters, who you would be starting in this game.
0: It's the same as I said last week. I would start Tyler Vaughn, and I would start Joseph Lewis okay
1: yeah. I like it I like it yeah you know well I'm sorry I pro- I'm probably cutting you off because I'm not did you give ratings no everything? no I'm talking okay. about the gap chart right now I'm cutting you off go ahead
0: no you can talk about the gap chart if you want
1: oh, I, it's, I'm, I'm with you in that if this is what their best starting receiver set looks like and it might be a farce as you're saying many of these things like you don't agree with the oars in between tyler Vaughn's, and you know I mean? so maybe it is because they're playing western michigan but if these are really their three best starting receivers after recruiting all these receivers for you know all these years i mean gosh i'm looking oh, they have 11 wide receivers right now their best three are a converted quarterback and jalen green and uh, Deontay Burnett, who wasn't a superstar coming out of high school, and, and then Steven Mitchell, who, you know, has dealt with injuries but has pretty much been a non-factor at USC for his career. It just makes me question the development of the players, maybe maybe the talent evaluation process. I don't know what's going on because if Jalen Green, a converted quarterback, is really your best option as an outside receiver. I I'm shocked. I mean, USC has recruited you know they recruited too many four star receivers in recent classes in my mind. If Stephen Mitchell's your best option as an outside wide receiver at five foot ten, how is that happening when you have all these six two, six four, you know, uh, redshirt freshman receivers that were supposed to be so good? It's just, it's concerning to me. So I just feel like this is if Stephen Mitchell, Jalen Green, and Deontay Burnett are what they're going out there with, and these are their best three receivers. This is a huge concern for USC because, I mean, I think Stephen Mitchell's playing out of position, uh, and, and Jalen Green should not be their best option as an outside receiver as their converted quarterback. He played quarterback in high school. It doesn't make sense to me. So to me, I look at that, and if I'm a USC fan and I think that they're telling the truth, I'm concerned. I'm concerned not, about their receivers. The like,
0: they don't have a, a single third-string receiver listed, if you look under Mitchell, they have Pittman or Joseph Lewis. And then if you look under Giante, they have Valens Jones or Trevon Signey or Keyshawn Young. And I already mentioned what they had at the other spot with Vaughn, Maturbebe, and Grimes all equal. They don't have a single third-string guy because they're, they're trying to juggle. It's basically politics. They have 11 guys. Now, I'm willing to bet that All of them are going to play. The only one that maybe won't play would be Grimes. Because maybe he's redshirting. He was working with the scout team last week. Although not exclusively. So it's a little hard to tell. But I think they're all going to play. I think that they're going to maybe lean on 6 or 7. Like T. Martin said they would. But I think they're going to play all 11. But they're not all first or second team. So, I guess for the purpose of educating our our listeners, the the starters, Deontay, Jalen, Mitchell. Then after that, Tyler Vines will be next. And then probably Valus Jones. Michael Pittman's been injured, and I don't think he's going to play, but... I don't even know that yet because he hasn't practiced in two weeks. He's got an ankle injury. Maybe he comes back this week, near the end of the week. I just have a feeling that he's not going to practice and they're going to say he's a game-time decision and he's not going to play because it's Western Michigan and they have 11 guys. So he's the one that, okay, maybe he's not playing. They're going to play 10 guys. But I think after the first three, it's Vaughns and Invalis. And then either Joseph Lewis or Josh Imadabebe. Then after that, it's probably Trevon Sidney in the slot. And then Keyshawn Young's really been out for almost all of fall practice. So I don't even know where to slot him right now in terms of playing time. And Randall Grimes is someone who I liked early on. And, again, I can't tell if he's in the redshirt or not, but Grimes and Keyshawn are probably at the bottom of this group right now. They just have so many people at the position. They're going to have the benefit of playing all of them, and then once whoever emerges emerges, they can kind of be a little bit more decisive about where people stand, a little bit more transparent, a little bit more honest. But I guarantee you that these guys are not all on equal footing going into the opener.
1: I just can't wait to see USC play eleven receivers at three positions, two tight ends, two running backs, and a fullback. <laughs> I can't wait for that formation. No it's going to be very illegal, but it will be fun to watch. Right. Uh, so let's let's go to ratings, yeah. I guess, because we didn't even get there. Wow, look at us. Okay. Oh, I'll, oh, you go. You were. You yeah, were I'll raise the
0: starters. Time.
1: I'm
0: going low. I'm going three. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. This is average. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Okay. I agree. I, I'm going three. I that was the number I had too. I'll just say it now. It's the number I had too in mind for starters. Um, the depth in my mind's a little bit different though. But I, I want to hear your opinion on the depth because in my mind I'm sort of. Uh, twisted up about how to rank it a little bit. When I when I feel like it's a 3, you know, at the yeah, start position. Yeah, it's kind of strange. So, if, it's like I want to give them a 5, you yeah. know, because they have 12. They have a lot of guys. Yeah. I'm
0: not going 5 because I feel like the gap includes the frontline talent, which I see being a 3 right now. So, I'm going to give it a 4. Um, but there is a wide range here because yes there are a lot of guys, but we're talking about the quality of the gap. We haven't seen a lot of these guys play yet. And from what we have seen from the guys that have played, it's all right. I mean, you like De'Anne Burnett. I don't know if you like him as your number one guy, as the best receiver on the team. But you like him on your team, certainly. He's going to be productive. So with this many people, I'm willing to say four because I think that some of the guys that aren't starting right now are going to be very good. I'm looking at Joseph Lewis. I'm looking at Kyler Vaughn, and then I just am optimistic about, you know, Valence Jones and a couple other guys. But this this could be lower. This could be a three. It could be a two. If you don't have any all-conference receivers in this group, if that's what it proves Mm -hmm. to be, then I don't look at that gap and celebrate it. I think it's low. Even though I get that there's a lot of guys and a lot of other teams in the Pac-12 would would take... They would probably maybe every team in the Pac-12 would take this receiving corps and trade it for theirs. Like, I get it, but I'm used to all Americans at USC at the wide receiver position. I think that they produce the best receivers over the last 25 years. Going back to, you know, 92... With Conway and Morton, in terms of their production in college, I think that they have a have an argument that they're they, they've had the best receivers in college football. So I'm, I'm kind of grading them by that scale, and if they don't have an all conference guy in this group, you know, first team all conference guy, then that gap isn't that exciting, is it?
1: No, that's why I think it's a three, uh, and and unless a Joseph Lewis jumps up the depth chart, becomes the starter, takes over, and you know proves that he's you know that Marquise Lee whatever type, I'm gonna feel pretty much on point with it because to me it's what you said is that I'm not I'm not excited about any of these receivers really. Deontay Burnett's pretty good, right? He's pretty good, but he's not that standard USC star type. And I look at everybody else and I'm just not excited. So to me, it's like if USC had returned Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, or somebody like that, if they had somebody like that on the roster, you could go through with Penn and pretty much just cross out, you know, a lot of names and say they probably don't have a big role on this team anymore because this guy's the guy and he's the star. And to me, that's concerning. I know they don't have that guy, so these guys do get a role, but... I'm not sure if you want them to have a role if somebody, a star receiver, could just basically eliminate their usefulness. You know what I mean? I'm pretty much concerned about every receiver on the roster outside of the true freshman and Deontay Burnett. You know? Because... Because all we've seen at USC is guys come in and star right away, even when other receivers are there, upperclassmen receivers. We see those special freshmen come in almost every year and take it over and be the guy. And I think to myself, you know, if Joseph Lewis doesn't do it this year, if Randall Grimes doesn't do it this year, won't it just be a matter of time until uh, they get a freshman like that and maybe these guys are redshirt sophomores or redshirt juniors and they're getting jumped over and they're like, you know, some of these practice stars that we've heard about in the past, you know, these these wide receivers that got so much praise for practice because they, they're all talented guys, but they're just not the guy at USC. I don't think they have the guy at USC right now unless it's a Joseph Lewis or Randall Grimes, and we don't know enough about them yet.
0: Yeah, I really think they both need to play, and I think that they're both going to be good, and that's why it's hard for me to rank this portion of the of the group because... If they are productive, and they're true freshmen, then I think this is a pretty deep receiving corps. And I, I think that's why I said four. I think I expect that to happen. And and what we're what we're rating here is twenty seventeen only. We're not projecting their whole career, you know, for the true freshmen or for the depth of, of the position. It's not the future of the position. It's this season. So I'm giving it a four. But they better play these kids. I think they have to play.
1: Well, if they do play, I feel like the, we should have a rating for how stupid we could look, and it would be very high because all of a sudden, right, if you have one or two freshmen that look like stars and are taking over, you love the depth that USC has all of a sudden. If they have that guy, if they have that one or two special receivers, they yeah. have great depth at wide receiver. Yeah. So that's where the question is, is, is at that top line Yeah, It's a
0: wide range. I think it could fall between at least three to five. Maybe two is too low, but three to five. I think it can, you know, it remains to be the same. A lot of questions with the receivers. A lot more than we thought we'd have at this point.
1: Definitely. Adam... I know I made you start with receiver. I have to make you start with tight end right now because I'm feeling a little verklempt, and I have to get myself together for the rant I have prepared for the offensive line. Wait, so. What was
0: that word that you used? Verklempt. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: <laughs> you know where it's from. Come on, SNL <laughs> fans. All right. Google that. Nice. Tight ends. I want to hear you. you I want to hear what you have to say. Oh, thank you.
0: Okay. So tight ends. list Daniel Matarbebe and Tyler Petit is a co-starter. I don't think that is fake. I think that's because Imara Bebe's been injured and they just don't know where he'll be by Saturday. And I think he's gonna play, but he might be on a bit of a pitch count. I don't think we're gonna see the full version of him. In fact Clay said that this week they expected him to be available for contact But he won't be 100%. He won't be running at 100%. So, that makes sense. I don't have an issue with it. Although, I personally feel like Kerry Angeline has been better than Tyler Petit. But I get why he wouldn't be your starter yet. He hasn't played yet. Redshirt freshman. And so, maybe if Daniel were going and taking the bulk of the load... Then I could see Carey becoming number two. But right now, you know, again, they're going to favor upperclassmen, and you want to go with who you trust, and they're going to trust Petit more with the entire package. Kyler is, uh, it can not be a complicated position. And there's nothing wrong with Tyler Petit. I Actually, I like a lot of what he can do. I know I've probably been a little bit down on him or a little bit hard on him, I think it's just a matter of him getting out of his own way and finishing plays. He gets open, right? Um, I think he runs good routes. Uh, He's put on some weight, but prior to that, I thought he ran really well. And and maybe he just put on some weight because he knew he was going to lose it. A lot of guys have lost more than 10 pounds in the last month of practice. But I, I just need to see him finish plays on a consistent basis. I think that's been his problem. The last two years. Otherwise. He kind of remind me. He would remind me a lot of. Kerry Angeline. And what we see from him in practice. Carry, of course hasn't played in a game yet. So. There's still something to, to for him to prove as well. But. Um, in terms of the starter. For me it's a five. If it's Daniel Monterbebe, But. If it's not, if it's a bit compromised with him and Petit, then it's probably a 4. Because it's still Daniel, but it's like a 50-50 thing. So I'm rating that a 4. And in terms of gap, I think that's a 5. I think a tight end, like, that's excellent. You got the three of those guys playing. And even the freshman Eric Cromwell looked really good to me. And if he had to play, I think he'd be ready to play. Um, I don't think that they're going to burn that red shirt unless they had you if there was a significant injury to one of the top three. Josh Fallow has been injured for a lot of fall practice, but he looked good when he was healthy. So he's another guy that could contribute this season if they needed him to. So I feel confident saying that even though three of these guys haven't played, I'm giving them a five in terms of gap and a four at starter, only because Daniel right now isn't full strength.
1: Yeah, I, I'm gonna assume he is. Uh, for uh, you know, I know he's not, but I'm just gonna say, I'm basing this on if he's healthy, what they are, you know, because I assume that that could happen during the season. Yeah, he
0: might just be a little bit limited for a week or so, but yeah, if he's available for the for the season in general, then I think it's a five.
1: Yeah, so I'm going five-five as well. I I think that this is the ideal tight end. Uh, cl- you know. Position group. I don't know how you could ask for anything else. You have uh, a guy in Imar Tabebe who, you know, might be one of the better tight ends in the country. And then below him, you have an older experienced guy in Tyler Petit that if you look at who USC has had playing tight end in the past few years, you know, since their last real NFL type guy, he fits into that. You know, he fits into that type of role. He could be a starter for you. That's no problem. That's your backup, or you know, your your starter your other starter. If Daniel imar Martebe is injured, right? That's not a bad situation to me. I look at Kerry Angeline like he's a matchup nightmare in, in the red zone. At six seven, and most schools don't even have that. I I've seen schools that just have a, a tight end on the roster like that, and they have a lot of success just because they have that one guy that they can throw to. Um so I think that's great that they have him on the roster and then they added two really talented young guys too. I, I you know, you look at their what? They're five deep at this at the tight end position. It's a five for the college level, you can't ask for anything else. They've done a great job building it. Maybe too much of a good job building it. Maybe their defensive line should have this much depth. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> you had dude, to put in there. I, I I you know I can't compliment him too much, but I mean, gosh, they they have a good tight end situation. There's yeah. no question about that.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Okay. The Adam, offensive ma- line.
1: Yeah, I'm making you introduce all of them now because you have these nice little intros and you just you just seem w- way more prepared than I am. So I'm gonna, go, offensive line, tell us.
0: Okay, well, on the offensive line where they played musical chairs for a lot of training camp, they were more definitive with the get chart. They just listed who the five are, who... They always were gonna be left tackle Cholobengane, left guard Chris Brown, center Nico Fala, right guard Viani Kelamaval, right tackle Chuma Doga. I'm giving that. I'm okay. I'm I'm torn between three and four. I think it's at least average. It could be above average. My hesitation is in. Chris Brown has played very little, and he actually won the job coming out of camp last year, and then immediately lost it, and we never really heard from him again. Toe Lovendine hasn't played a lot of tackle, and he hasn't played left tackle since his freshman year. Nico Fala is fine in the middle, Vianney's fine at right guard. Chuma, I know that everyone's thinking that he could be a star. But he hasn't been a full-time player either. He's bounced around a little bit between left and right cackle. Doesn't want to play left cackle, so he's got right cackle. Which is where he spent most of his time. So it's natural to assume that he'll be decent, if not good. But that's not established yet. So you have three spots where you just don't know. And that's more than half. So that... That has me thinking it's a three for the starters.
1: I agree. Yeah? Yeah, I agree. Well, (laughs) here's my thing is is I know that there's a lot of experience on this offensive line, right? You look at the depth chart. A Yes. Well, exactly. And you see, you know, oh, redshirt juniors and, and juniors and seniors and, and redshirt you seniors. You want yeah, that's what guys you want. on the
0: line. That's, that's, that, that's where, a good thing.
1: Yes. And I feel like if we were, you know, wildcatsports.com covering Arizona, I'd be like, this is a five. This might be the best offensive line Arizona's ever had. But it's, it's Trojansports.com, and we cover USC. Who are the NFL guys that are starting? Maybe they have a couple young guys that might be that in the future. I don't know. Right. But really, who are their NFL guys? This is USC. This is USC, guys. Let's be honest here. It's Toa Lobendon. That's it. That's the guy I look at, and I'm like, I think he's probably playing in the NFL. I don't know about the other guys. I really don't. And that concerns me because he's playing left tackle where I think he's probably not going to be that good. He might be okay. He might be passable. He might be better than some left tackles in the Pac-12. But that's not where you want Toa Lovendon to play. And he's their only guy that I'm really sold on. So I think it's a three as well because it's USC and I think they might play a Stanford and get exposed. They might UCLA might put it together. Notre Dame might put it together in the trenches. I don't know. The schedule matches up where their offensive line is probably going to be okay in 9 out of 12 games. Mm -hmm. But in some of these games, it wouldn't surprise me if they couldn't run the ball at all on Stanford. Mm -hmm. It would not surprise me. That's a problem. That's a 3 at USC.
0: Yeah. I I think there's definitely the potential to be a 4, but I'm giving it a 3. And in terms of the depth, I guess I can go a little bit higher. They have they have a lot of bodies, although that's not what we're grading a gap on, just having bodies. But I think that they have at least three or four guys that if they needed to come in, if they needed to step in part-time or full-time, there isn't a significant drop-off. That's what you want with Gep. I mean, they're, they're not among the best five, but they're playable. It looks like Austin Jackson is the next tackle, Uh, whether it's left or right side. If one of those guys were to go down, I could see him coming in next. And Andrew Voorhees, the true freshman, is listed as a backup at both right guard and right tackle. So he might be the first lineman in if anyone were to go down. They might just reshuffle the deck and put Andrew Voorhees in. Then Austin Jackson has a bright future. I can't tell yet if he's redshirting or not, but if there's at least more than one injury, then I'm expecting Jackson to play at Cackle. Clay reiterated a few times that Roy Hemsley was pushing Chris Brown. It's hard to read that. Does that mean that Brown wasn't impressing them or Hemsley had, dramatically improved and shown that if they had to play him they could. And and Clay repeated this. He said that, you know, I think a lot of people would like to have him as a starter. So I'm gonna take him for his word on that. Um, I get the vibe that they are about too deep at every spot. And maybe it's eight guys, but because a couple of them can move between guard and tackle it becomes too deep, right? You have a first-team guy, a second-team guy. So I've talked myself into the offensive line having good depth, especially because I feel like the depth has been pretty limited the last few years. I think this is better than that, so I'm going to say above average for the depth.
1: I'm saying three. (laughs) Here's my thing. They have depth on the interior. We've talked about this for years. They're, they're fine on the interior, okay? If, if Chris Brown goes down, if Yanni Talamayval goes down, they're going to figure that out. And if you are saying to me, hey, rank their depth at guard, center, and guard, I'd be like, oh, 4.5 maybe. It's pretty good. What happens if Toa Lobendon goes down? They're done. I mean, I'm sorry, like, it's like these, these aspirations that we have, that, you know, these fans have or whatever, that we're hearing about national titles, if their left tackle goes down, I don't think they have an answer. You're going to play a freshman, you're going to make Chuma play a position that he didn't want to play, that he kind of ran away from, it ain't going to work. That's one guy, so to me, that makes me feel like the depth isn't as good, because yeah, sure, they can could, they could fix the guard position, no problem. But left or right tackle, really. You're already starting to look at freshmen coming in, maybe. Yeah. That's bad. That is. I know that they've had this situation in the past, and maybe you get by it and no one gets hurt, and it's fine. But that is just too big of a red flag for me to give them anything higher than a 3 at depth. Guard, interior line, I'm sold. You guys sold me. But tackle has been a problem for USC for some time, in my opinion, and I think it continues to be.
0: Let me offer just one quick rebuttal, because I understand what you're saying. You're right. If you lose Chuma or Toa, you're probably bringing in a freshman, Austin Jackson or Andrew Voorhees, or Clayton Johnston, Redshirt Scott Moore, hasn't really played. However, I think that both Voorhees and Jackson, because you mentioned the the true freshmen, I think that they can be good this year. I don't think that they'd be good right away, but if they were to join that rotation in September, I think that they would play their way up to a solid level through the course of the season. Now, I don't know if they're going to get away with that, right? I mean, you're not promised to go undefeated and then play your, your toughest games in November, but I just feel like those guys can be good Good season. I don't think they're that far away. I think most star freshman linemen are going to be bad at the very beginning, but they end up being good by the middle or end of the year.
1: Nice rebuttal. Yeah. Didn't convince me of a thing.
0: Okay. Let's go to
1: defense. All right. Tell us about this, this defensive line, these one or two or three positions. That's my joke, I guess, but what do you, look, what do you think when you see this uh, this depth chart and this defensive line, Adam? Well,
0: I still expect they're going to play a lot of nickel, and they're going to have two down linemen. We listed three because they list three, and they do play three You know, close to half the time. But the hard part is, I don't know who the third one is. So, for instance, right now they list Rasheem Green at defensive end. Josh Foccu and nose tackle. Who apparently has beaten out Marlon Chui-Polocu. And then the other defensive end is Malik Dorton. I don't believe that. I don't think that Malik would be the third starter. Or even... If they start with Q and they go to three, I don't think he's the third one. I think they're going to bring in Christian Rector or Marlon tui as the third lineman. So judging that, judging Rasheem, Fatu and who I think would be the third guy, I'm giving it it a four. I'm probably being a bit generous here. I could go three. But I don't think they put a lot of stress on their down linemen in this team. So while maybe Rashim Green doesn't become an All American, if he does, then you know you can feel confident calling this a Drew before. But even if he doesn't, I think that's okay. I just think that the way that this defense is written up or drawn up, it doesn't require that. It'd be nice, but I think that they kind of get away with it with the way that they use their outside <laughs> linebackers. So I actually like that front line, I, whether it's Faku and Rector or Faku and Kui Poloku with Rasheem. I'm giving it a four.
1: Adam, you're like the nicest guy in the world. Uh I, I hope that I have girlfriends in the future like you, where it's like, you're a 10 at making love because you don't have to be good at making love, it's okay. I'm with you, they're not a big priority in the defense, it seems like they could kind of hide things well, and you know, you, they play nickel a lot, but I wouldn't call this group of four, uh, because to me it, it's it's kind of similar to the offensive line in a way, I think that they're probably, you know, because there's not that glaring hole at tackle or whatever potentially. I think they might be in a better spot, and because of the defense, they're in a better spot, sure. But, you know, Rasheem Green is the the potential star. I'm not even sure he's really that, you know what I mean? But he's the guy that everybody talks about on this defensive line. And then outside of that, I mean, Josh Fatsu is not a big-time junior college recruit and didn't do much last year, and he's potentially your starter. If he's not, it's a freshman at the other spot. Uh, There's there's some guys you know like Malik Dorn like you mentioned he hasn't performed yet I just I'm concerned there's too much youth there's too many guys that haven't done it yet Christian Rector hasn't really done it yet where I'm just concerned I mean to me I remember before the year everybody was talking about hey you know they really need Kenny Bigelow to do something. And he's not, you know, it's not his fault. It's not him. It's his injuries and stuff. But it seems like he's not going to do anything. So I can't say I'm confident about this defensive line. It's going to rely too much on freshmen for me. I think down the line, if we were doing the ratings, you know, for the 2019 season, we're not doing that, as you've said. They're in a great spot for the future. I feel the similar way about their offensive line as well. But this year, it might not show up. It might be okay. But, you know... I'm not confident with a bunch of freshmen and Josh Fatu next to Rasheem Green. Like, Rasheem Green is a guy I feel pretty good about. But outside of that, I'm nervous if I'm a USC fan. So I'll yeah, say three.
0: I understand. I, I could have gone three, but I like four.
1: And yeah, then, You're generous.
0: Now, rating the depth of the group, I definitely feel better saying four. I feel more confident saying that because I think they have a lot of playable guys here. And you're really fitting into two and a half spots. I think that Brandon Peely's going to play. And I think he's going to do something. Kenny Bigelow, we have no idea. We just hope that he gets to play. But I have no clue what's going to happen there. And then Doran can play. I don't think that's a problem if he plays. Christian Rector is someone that I've liked for a while. Uh, maybe not a high ceiling, but I think that he'll get to play more this year, and he'll be fine. J.Q. Fele, I can't tell yet. Might be redshirting. He did work with the scout team last week, and I, I don't think that's a problem if you redshirt him. I thought that they might not because he's from Utah and he was a big prospect, and you have the other two kids from out of state that are. Maybe already impressing, and he'd be the odd man out, and that might look bad. But maybe he's just red shirts. Maybe that's best for him. I really can't tell. But even without him, I think that you have a half dozen guys that you could play here. And uh, and then you also, I mean, if if there were injuries, because there usually are on the defensive line, you do have more bodies. They didn't have nearly as many bodies before. And now I feel like, okay, not only do you have people that I think are going to play well, but you have people that maybe they haven't played at all, but if they had to play, at least you have people to bring in. You know, you're know, you not dealing with any kind of walk-on situation here. So I'm going to give it a four.
1: I'll give their depth a four as well uh, for many of the same reasons you said. And I'll also just point out, too, that, you know, I, as I mentioned before, I feel like they're missing that high-end guy, you know, that, that's experienced. I think their freshman class is really impressive, and, you know, that probably is what makes their depth of four is that they were able to get so many high-end freshman defensive linemen, and those guys, you know, can play in spots and stuff. So totally with their depth being a four. Uh, if they had a couple of high-end guys that we knew, like, oh, they, those were the two starters or whatever, the two of the three starters – you would look at the depth chart beneath them and go wow you know they they have a lot they have a lot and it would be a five because they would have like a junior college senior and all these yeah. star freshmen yeah. and you know guys that haven't played much but you know they're big time recruits and are experienced and have grown and so i'm with the depth being a four because i feel like it, it would be a five if they did have the high-end players on this roster because they do have a lot now because of this last class that they brought in it seems like
0: you're right yeah if Rashim green was all pac 12 first team And maybe a fringe All-American and Josh Faku is All-Pac 12 second team. Then this is a five. But they have to show that. Um, for those wondering about the depth chart, I think it's really easy to figure out on the defensive line. Look at the two end positions and it's basically a ladder from oldest to youngest. Rashim junior, Rector, redshirt, Sophomore; Moore, freshman. And the other defensive end, Dorton, redshirt, junior, Liam Jimmins, redshirt, freshman, Jacob Lichtenstein, freshman. They didn't nose tackle. They didn't do that. Even though I think they can probably, you can probably rank them one, two, three, four. They weren't going to do that because you have two true freshmen and you have a redshirt senior. And Kenny Bigelow. So they make them all equal. They said that is a starter, and the other three are all equal. I don't think they're equal. I think that Fachu is a starter, but not even... I don't even know that he'll get a huge difference of reps over the guys behind him. I expect rotating there. I think Marlon will be second. And then I'm not sure... If it's Peely or Bigelow, I think they're probably close to equal. But I think that they are behind Marlin for sure. But they didn't want to list it that way. And I get it. I mean, a lot of these things um, are about the aesthetics. And you don't want problems in the locker room before you play your first game. It's not necessary. So... I'm not mad at the coaches for doing this. I understand why they're doing it. I'm just here to tell you that I don't think it's totally true and reflective of where things actually are. I think that Faku is a starter. And I thought they might not even put that. I thought that they might put Foccu or Marlin, even though I reported that Faku had basically won that job. But then Marlon's clear-cut number two. And then Peeley and Bigelow are probably about even. But I think they're all going to play anyway. Where at the other spots, not everybody's going to play. Or if they do, it's just going to be garbage time. But in in this instance, I think all four are going to play. And then from there, it can probably change. You know, Bigelow could become the number two guy if he's healthy enough to produce...
1: linebackers all right this is this is where the fun starts why because i i just think we're gonna just praise them and say a bunch of wonderful things and everybody's (laughs) gonna be happy with us that's why what do you think what do you think about these four uh positions
0: i'm gonna say i want to say five in terms of the quality of starters I'm going to say four because I'm conservative and we've seen previous linebacking corps that have, that were established to five. Like if you look at 2008, yeah. going into that year, you knew they were a five. Yeah. And that's I'm giving a five to when I know that at least one of these guys, if not two, are going to be all Americans. I don't think we know that yet. But can they be? Yeah. Cam Smith can be an All-American. Porter Gustin can be an All-American. Eugenio Suu can be an All-American. So I'm just going to wrap it up neatly here. Four for the starters. Five for Gep.
1: I I'm gonna go four and a half, four and a half.
0: You can't go half.
1: I can't do you halves. Know. We haven't got I'll any do, halves. I'll do four four then. For the same reason <laughs> that you're saying is that two thousand eight linebacking core is a five. And as good as I think all these guys are, you know, John Houston is a little bit of a question that two thousand five linebacking core did not have any questions on it. They were gonna be good. We knew that. He
0: could be Kaluka Mayava. But yeah, but my even, my but gonna like more than Houston had,
1: And even if 40. he didn't pan out, it was kind of assumed, like, there's going to be somebody else here. You know, because yeah. it's like when you have three guys or whatever it was, that, two or three that were that were so well established going into that season already. I mean, mm-hmm. as much as, you know, Cam Smith can be potentially an All-American, as much as everybody likes him, he's not Ray Malaluga. He's just not. He's great. He's not that guy, mm-hmm. right? Porter Gus is great. I, he's not Brian Cushing or you know yeah I mean Brian, that might have like, been
0: their best group of linebackers that they've ever had
1: like ever like so it should be like a 5.2 that, maybe it might right? not be like, the best
0: comparison or the most fair it's
1: that's not why I think it's not if fair you at all.
0: that they're 5 I could see it but yeah yeah I'm
1: giving them four. but that's why I wanted to say 4.5 is because I feel like if we're giving them the same standards of like like for a Pac-12 team 5 like this might be the best linebacking core in college football this year, I'm right? I'm national one.
0: contender, though. That's how I've been doing it, not Pac-12.
1: Yeah, but okay, okay, national kid. I mean, if, if at the end of the year, if this was the best linebacking core in the country, you wouldn't be surprised. No. I right? Maybe maybe might, might be a few teams. Yeah, it might be a five. So that's the thing is that I'm, I'm just saying four because you won't let me pick 4.5, and I just feel <laughs> like I can't pick five because everybody's going to go 2008, and I'm going to go 2008. I'll feel stupid. So I want to say four and a half for both. So that's what I'm saying.
0: No, Yeah, no four and a half. So you're going four? Four. Okay. Now, some Uh. people are concerned about the gap. I'm not sure why. I guess because they're not seeing a lot of names. But I think that if you end up playing Jordan Alcefa, I think you're going to be fine. I think he's going to be very good this year. If you had to play Olajuwon Tucker, he's a third-string middle linebacker right now. If you were on your third-string middle linebacker, you'd be happy to have Olajuwon Tucker, who started an inside linebacker in the past. And the fact that he's a senior and he's third-string, I know that doesn't reflect well on him, but I think it does speak to your depth. Connor Murphy has been probably one of the more improved players over the last year. He's actually surpassed Wole Bakiku. I thought that he was behind him, but he's ahead of him. But Kiku was working with the scout team last week, which made me scratch my head a little bit. He's going to play, so that might just been a matter of them needing more bodies with that scout team and them wanting to put him there because he could probably fill a role there. But uh, I do anticipate that he will play, and I think I think he can play well too. Uh, but but Murphy can play both sides. I mentioned that last week both Bakiko and Murphy can play either strong side linebacker or predator which basically means if one of the top guys goes down you bring in your next best guy it'll be Murphy and after that it's Bakiko your fourth guy I think that's good
1: It is good the middle and the weak side can flip too so that's the other next you know what I mean? right good point yeah yeah. Well, so I mean, you were talking about oh Jordan Iosefa Elijah want I mean, you could lose Cam Smith and uh, uh, Jordan Iosefa, uh, and maybe Levi Jones comes in. And while well, you don't want a freshman playing, yeah. they've played freshmen that's oh, before have that have been fine. Well, I, I know, but like starting, that's yeah. what I mean. Like yeah. you didn't you don't want him starting, but he might be able to and be okay because they've had to do that before and it's been okay. So and that you know that's after we're talking to them losing like three guys before they get there, right? So. I love their depth at linebacker. I wouldn't be concerned. I think linebacker's their best position on this team outside of starting quarterback, obviously, right? But, yeah. I mean, if I'm picking a position group, I think they have really good linebackers. I think I'm picking them, probably. Yeah, and
0: we didn't talk as much about weak side, but John Houston has been working both in the middle and at weak side. As has Jordan Alstuffa. And Levi Jones, really confident, really charismatic, I got to talk to him last week for the first time. I really like him. He actually corrected me because I mentioned, you know, I want to know what he felt like, uh, where he had progressed in the last month that he's been at USC. And he's like, I've been here since May, which technically he has. I meant practice. But uh, he has been there for a while now. And apparently he's taken to that playbook, knows what he's doing. The staff is really high on him. Have you got to talk to him before?
1: To uh, I, I honestly, I don't remember yeah. I, th- I don't I think that uh, we had another staffer go to the bowl game he was at. Okay. I think I talked to him on the phone though, but I'm not sure, because mm-hmm. I'm sure he was one of those kids that was hard to get on the phone. Mm-hmm. But, so I can't say, honestly, I can't. Yeah, I,
0: can't say. I know you talk to a lot of people, but anyway, I, I was very impressed with him with his makeup. And, I mean, he has a pedigree, you know, NFL family. But he's going to play this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if he played well. I think John Houston's going to play well. We've been waiting for it, and we heard a lot of hype, and I wasn't on that bandwagon. But now that I've seen him be the starting guy, you know, through spring practice and fall camp, I believe that he'll be productive. I think that they can rotate if they want to. I'm not sure how much they will. But I'm buying the gap. I I almost would save yeah. I did I say five? I am forgetting now.
1: Uh again. I, I, I think you did.
0: Again. Okay, yeah. I was about to say I want to say five because I thought i picked four. It's a five.
1: Okay. I'm with it. Um uh... Yeah, I'll I'll say, I'll say five as well. You yeah? talked me into it. Yeah, you talked me into it. You you gave a good argument, so I'll say five as well.
0: I just don't think they have weak wings. I think that whoever they end up playing is going to play good football there.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I like it. I like it. I agree. That's nice and concise for you, Adam. <laughs> Cornerback.
0: back Yeah.
1: Ooh, what do you think Adam you know do you want me to go first? No I'll go okay
0: okay it's Biggie I was and Jack excited Jones.
1: could you tell I was excited Yeah but you go first okay. I like it go. Biggie
0: and Jack Jones I'm giving him a four because Jack hasn't really played yet but that's really the only reason I mean I think some people would probably be more concerned about this and rating a three where I'm thinking like I think it, and it could end up being a five. I think that Jack is gonna play well. I already know Biggie will play well. I'm giving him a four.
1: You had me nervous there because I was gonna make a splash with this one and I thought you were gonna take it from me. I'm gonna give him a five. You are? I am. Uh I honestly I don't think USC usually has cornerbacks like this. Like the you know, this group. I think Biggie Marshall will probably be considered you know, after this year anyway. I know that people were really hard on him early in his career for some reason. I think he's one of the better quarterbacks they've had in recent memory. Honestly, I think oh, yeah. he has that potential to be that guy. I really do. Yep. So I, I think he'll do it. I just feel confident that he's going to do it. And I look at Jack Jones. I know he hasn't played. I know the Rose Bowl could have been really rough for him. He kind of got lucky that it wasn't like – Oh, really bad, you know, and people are remembering that he's a talented guy, though, and they usually don't get guys like that at quarter. I'm just being honest. Let's be honest here. They have two five star quarters. I know that I talk I talk down recruiting rankings and, you know, sometimes I'm unpopular because of it. But that's not usual at USC. I remember them playing guys that were kind of like safeties at corner, and you know, playing them deep and playing sort of like quarters coverage or like you know, like these coverages that they kind of let the corners give up intermediate passes but just stay back and not give up the deep ball. These guys are talented. I think they could have r- one of the best quarterback, you know, in terms of starters. Yeah, that those two could be one of the best in so, the country. Exactly, they're that good I'm saying five, I'm betting on it They'll figure it out, they're athletes Jack Jones, he's an athlete It doesn't matter that he's young, he's going to be good Five, give me five, let me bet on that
0: Yeah, okay Now For me, it's a different (laughs) story with the cap
1: Oh, don't worry, for me too
0: Okay, I'm, I'm worried But I'm glad to hear that I'm going with a three And I could even go lower But I'm going to go with three. I'm going with three only because I like Greg Johnson. And I think that if he's not redshirting, and I can't tell yet whether he is or not, but if he's not, then I think he'll be okay. He'll be okay playing right away. Isaiah Langley is the third cornerback. And he's serviceable. But after him, I I have no idea. I mean, Dominic Davis has been there for a couple weeks only. Jamel Cook has had, I think, a rough transition to corner. Ja'Cory so Godfrey is going to redshirt. He's not healthy. And then I, I mentioned Greg, who I, I can't tell. if, if they, I, Maybe they want to redshirt him, but they don't know if they can, so they're going to be noncommittal. Um, now, at the end of the day, you can always move a Jenny who's playing nickel, you can move him to corner. So... That gives you maybe a, little, a bit more confidence. Maybe he's your third or fourth cornerback, and then I becomes the starting nickel. But I, I don't like Jeff at all. I thought he was under recruited, good position, and I I don't know that I, I don't know who you have established after Biggie and Jack.
1: I completely agree. And that is why my rating is a two. Yeah. If Imam Marshall or Jack Jones if they go down, they their whole defense could be in jeopardy.
0: Yeah, it could be drop off, I think.
1: It it could be it could easily turn into, we've seen it in the past when during the sanction years when they had some trouble with corners and we saw at times where it seemed like their defense was probably okay, but there was that one corner that was just getting picked on, and it was like, throw at him, throw at him, throw at him. That was the other team the entire game. And sometimes it worked. And I look at this, and I'm like, wow, you know, I know Isaiah Langley is an upperclassman. But he hasn't done much and this is kind of a concern to me he's a corner they you know they've needed guys like i know they had a dory jackson whatever they had the starters figured out but they needed guys and and he hasn't done much to me and jamel cook i look at him and i'm like he's six four he's either the best cornerback ever at six foot four the most desirable body type for a cornerback that has ever existed or he can't play the position i'm betting on he can't play the position then it's freshman and Dom Davis who moved from tailback. It is a nightmare if somebody gets hurt at cornerback. It's why we've in the past said that cornerback recruiting for them in the future is huge as well, and we've listed you know that position as a position that they really need to recruit well this year too, because they could have issues in the future. I know we're not rating about that, but you look you look and you see that it's like you know there's not there's not a lot underneath these two guys mm-hmm. too. That's that's where I, – I honestly think that if one of these two guys goes down, you mentioned Ajene Harris, it might be him to move. I mean, they might even move Chris Hawkins. I, I know they haven't talked about that. I know he's been playing safety forever. But, like, he's probably a better corner and a better option at cornerback than these guys beneath the starting two. You know what I mean? So it's like, are they yeah. doing that? I don't know. I just feel like it's an emergency scramble situation yeah. the second one of these guys gets hurt if that happens.
0: Yeah. I mean, they have – a good wealth of defense Quebecs but a lot of them are playing safety and how comfortable would they be moving a corner on the fly? I don't even know how comfortable a Jenny would be
1: moving from the nickel to guy. I agree. Yeah. It's tough. He's done and he's done so much in his career that there's a point where it's yeah. like can he really, you know what I mean? Is right. he really great at one thing or is he just moving around and, you know, trying not to be terrible at all these positions? I don't know, you know? Yeah. really don't.
0: All right. Well, I guess we'll rate Nickel by itself because uh, I, I wouldn't know. I, I didn't want to put it with the corners. Um, so, starters of JNA, backup by Killy. There are no orders, by the way, in the entire secondary um, well, actually, there's one between Godfrey and Johnson. I'm not sure why they get that because, again, Godfrey, he's out. Um, and in a, a linebacker, there were no ors, so that's why we haven't talked about that part of the depth chart. But, um, and Nickel, I think with a Jennings, Achilles, I'm gonna give it, um, I guess he'll give it a four. I think Ajene's gotten a lot more confident, um, a lot more comfortable there, and he did practice really well. I thought that he took his lumps last season, but I think there's been improvement, and I'm expecting him to play at a higher level this year. So I'll give it a four. I think it's above average, and then in terms of the gap, I'll give it a four as well. I think with him and Achille, that's fine. That's I'm expecting Achille to have a nice season. I'm just not sure where he's going to play most, if he's going to play nickel or play safety. But I think when he gets in the field, he's going to stand out. So I'll give it a 4.
1: I agree, 4-4. Four, four, and I would honestly, if we're talking about the nickel position, your fifth defensive back, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's a corner or safety, it's a 5-5. Five, five. I mean... These are their fifth defensive backs. I don't know, you know, maybe a team like Alabama or Clemson or something, you know, that I'm not familiar with. Maybe they are just so loaded at safety that their fifth and sixth defensive backs are crazy, right? Former five-stars, future pros or whatever. But to me, it's like, hey, fifth defensive back is a redshirt junior guy that makes a lot of plays, has moved around, is a really good athlete, and then like a former basically five-star redshirt sophomore. That's that's. Really solid for the nickel. That's have a good no point. issues there. You make a good point. Good. Yeah. I like what I like what you tell me. I make a good point, and I know it's a really good point when you approve. It ain't often. Okay. Yeah. It, only when it's like the offensive line and the defensive line are you really generous with your approval. But besides that, you know, you're pretty tough. Okay. Safety. Yeah. Let's hear it.
0: I'm going four here too. I think it's above average um i don't yeah i i don't really i feel locked into that i don't think of of a five or a three there i think of a four in terms of the quality of starters
1: i agree i agree um because they don't have you know that first round nfl pick or whatever that giant freak you know type safety you know they've might not even have like you know the the whatever the the high-end all-american types or whatever you know second third round type but chris hawkins is a really reliable defensive back that's smart and he's been there forever i like him as a starting safety a lot i think marvell tell is a pretty darn good safety as well uh i like that starting group i think that a lot of teams would would want you know those to be their two starting safeties without question and so yeah I agree four I, they're not at that high end level but they're right there
0: okay and anyway, with the gap I'm gonna go four as well because I think that they have a good amount of playable bodies uh, behind Hawkins you have Pollard and you have Bubba Bolden and then behind Kelly you have Matt Lopes who actually is uh, is also serviceable Um, I don't know what people think of him being a former walk-on and the son of the associate athletic director, but that looks to me as someone that you could put on the field and you don't have to worry about. So um, having five guys, and Achilles really part of that group as well. In fact, I think he might be the number three safety if there was an injury to either Kell or Hawkins. Akili might be the starter, you know, to replace that injured guy. Uh, It was a blow to lose Isaiah Polonao, although I think his primary contribution was probably going to be on special teams. But you'd like to have him there, but it it wouldn't really change my rating. I I think I would go with a four. Um, I mean, now, there's a potential here, I think, with this group that in terms of depth, it could be a five, but it's just so many young guys. That haven't played yet. I'm um, even at Kelly Ross, third year, but hasn't really played very much. So I feel comfortable with a four.
1: I do too. I do too. Uh, you know, there isn't that third safety that's played that you know you would feel yeah, a like lot of comfortable and you know like oh he's in it's fine and that to me is kind of the difference you know between that next level and what they have now. They have a lot of nice pieces, though, which is why I think they have a four, because you mentioned that the nickel guys can come over, potentially, and they're talented. C.J. Pollard, you know, he could be like a Chris Hawkins type just early in his career, right? Like maybe he's serviceable and passable there. I don't know. And then Bubba Bolden is obviously was a superstar safety, uh, you know, coming out of high school. If they had to pull him out, I would probably be trying to argue for a 4.5 again, and you'd be telling me no. So, you know, because you, it's not very often that you sign two, you know, high-end freshman safeties like that, right? It doesn't happen that often, and, you know, and a lot of guys would view C.J. Pollard as that type. A lot of teams would be like, that's our high-end, you know, safety. I know he's a redshirt freshman, but I'm just, you know, it, it's, they have some talent there. They have a lot of talent there, so, and then you factor factor in nickel, and I just feel like they're definitely comfortable at safety. Yeah.
0: All right, let's go to Special Kings and wrap this
1: up. Oh, good. Let's start with the returners, Adam.
0: Well, they listed everybody equally, which is lame. But uh, they haven't committed to anything, apparently. So they put Jack Jones, Bayless Jones, Ejena Harris, and Stephen Carr as equals on kickoff returns. Although I, I'm pretty sure that it's Jack... Or Valus as a starter, or Jack and Valus. and because we haven't even seen them and they haven't even really done live returns in practice, it's hard for me to rank them. I think they could be great. The potential, I mean, I really feel like I'm, I'm guessing here much more than I am the other stocks. I guess four because I, I think they'll be above average. But I, they could be great. They could be phenomenal. I mean, I don't think they're going to be average. I think they it's probably a, a really high floor here. But I just hate the fact that they haven't committed to anyone and we haven't seen them do it in, in the open practices, which we've seen most every practice. There have only been a couple that have been closed. And those couple have been pretty light. I guess it's just something that they don't feel comfortable doing in a live setting because of injury. Anyway, I'll give it a four for the starters for a kickoff return.
1: I give it a four, too. I think it's actually very easy. I know you struggled with it, but for me at SC, it's kind of easy to rank this because it's like if they have Reggie Bush, they have Marquise Lee. If they have Adoree Jackson, it's a five. They might have well, exactly. So, hold on. <laughs> so, every time you kick to that guy, it's like, oh, he he might score. So, that's a five. That's what a five is. You might have a and couple guys like that. Well, but this, this is the point i Jackie the two, like
0: two fastest guys on the team.
1: I, I understand, Adam. I'm getting to this point. Hold on. It cannot be a three at SC. No. It can never be a three because they have too many athletes and too many guys that are fast and too many guys where it's like, oh, they're not going to be average at returning the ball unless there's something wrong with their schematics and the blocks that they take on it and their special teams coaching. They have the athletes to have good returners. So it is a four because nobody's done it yet. They're not. Nobody's kicking to these guys yet like, oh, we can't kick to them, right? That's a five. But they could be there. They could be there. You mentioned they have speed. And I honestly personally think that they would get there very fast if they... Had Stephen Carr return kickoffs and punt returns. So I just want to mention that because I think running backs are built for that position. Uh, they score. They read holes. They run. Give it to him. That's my opinion. That's hmm. all. But four, potentially five.
0: Okay. Punt return, more of the same as Jack Jones yeah. or Valus Jones or guillain Burnett. Even though, again, I think it's going to be Jack or Valus, and guillain is more of the security guy. And I give it a four.
1: I think it's the same exact thing. I think it's just the same thing, you know. There's, I. That's why I said returner before. It's because, you know, yeah. they're not a five yet. They're not going to be a three. Four.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Easy. in terms of gap, probably a five. I mean, if yes. Jack and Valis are co-starters at both spots, and then you have a couple other guys who you feel are at least better their peer then you're pretty deep there
1: well you i you can argue for four if we're going to get into it because we don't know if they have that top top guy yeah, yet Then that maybe true. that makes it a four you can argue for that but i'm going to say five and i'm going to agree with you because to me even if they don't have that you cannot tell me that there is another team in college football that year after year has the depth at returners that USC does. We're talking about a West Coast team, the dominant team on the West Coast. They get receivers and, you know, fast guys like no one's business. And they're always a five at depth at returner, at guys that can catch the ball and potentially score. They're always a five in that depth. I mean, think of last year, right? It's pretty, pretty much the same thing. I know a couple guys left or whatever, but it's like they had a Dory Jackson, an elite guy, and if he wasn't returning – there's a bunch of other guys that might have been really dangerous and yeah. maybe grown into that role, too. It's mm-hmm. a five. Okay. It's a five.
0: Yeah, I like it. Five for Jep on both. All right, final one. Place kicker. We're going to cut it off here. We don't need to do We're not punter doing... and long snapper and holder.
1: Oh, okay. Gosh. Because we went into punt returner, so let's cut it off. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: I uh, had my, uh, my whole speech ready for John Baxter, but go ahead. Okay. We don't have to say it.
0: Okay, starting quality at place kicker.
1: <sighs> one, say it.
0: Yeah, like, no, no, one. I'm, I'm going to go Q. Okay. I'm going two. I, a... I have no idea who's starting and what they're going to do. I, I mean, I would bet Michael Brown will get the first kick, but I think they're both going to kick him and Chase McGrath. I think that like, they they are just about equal. It's like 52 to 48 right now in favor of Brown, yeah. but with another week, McGrath can become the starter. They're very close.
1: Yeah. They are close, and who whoever is in makes me nervous. I say one. One? I I say one. one I, is, I mean one is just back i mean but but is that not what this situation is
0: i don't know if it's just terrible
1: okay i would say below average is like we're not sure this guy can kick it from beyond 40 very right and if they're making
0: only half their kicks yeah one would be like they're making less than half their kicks that's who you think we're gonna get? I've,
1: I've, no, I basically I think one is like this is like bottom of the barrel division one kicking. You know, yeah. it's like this. That's what they have. I mean, I honestly, there might for all I, I'm sure there are other Pac-12 teams that also have terrible kicking situations. and will be in the same boat, but there will be some teams where you look at their kicking situation and maybe many of them, and you go, "How did USC not figure out?" their kicking situation i mean like geez man you know like i i'm sorry it just seems to be like it's a mess well, this i'm going like, with it's problem a mess no but like why is this a problem do you understand like it's this doesn't make sense to me it's always, it just always does... been a problem yeah i well whatever i don't get it is my point i don't <laughs> understand how you know other these like I don't know. Some ra- like, how does Ohio State have a good kicker every year? USC can't. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. What do I know?
0: You know, last year, Matt Bormeister made less than 70% of his kicks. He made about two out of three. Yeah. But because he made that final kick, and because he made about two out of three, it felt like he had a great year. Yeah. And people, people look back at him very really fondly when, in fact, he was – right down the middle in terms of the national average
1: he's an exactly he's an average college kicker and by comparison he's a hero he's like a superhero at kicker to these guys i mean and you're right this at usc i i think of you know a lot of the kickers that they've had in recent years and guys that you know people even you know spoke highly of or liked or whatever they were pretty much average kickers i can't it's been a while since usc's had you know, a kicker where I'm like, whoa, that guy's got a leg, or he's, you know what I mean? He's the free kicker or whatever. So I think they're pretty much usually average. They're pretty yeah. much usually a three. Mm-hmm. And right now I'm like, Ugh, <laughs> and you're I'll go one. one. Go. I'm going one. Okay. Because these are the guys behind the average guys yeah. most years.
0: So how would you rank the Kep? There are two of them. One. There are
1: two of them. Well, I guess there's two, so I have to give them a five because who has two bad kickers, yeah. <laughs> right? USC. <laughs> and no one else uh, one you know whatever it's the same thing there's two of them you're right there are more than one so maybe I'm being unfair here but I kind of think the talent level sort of uh, you know hurts that rating too that's just my opinion yeah well
0: you know the old adage if you have two kickers you have one (laughs) I think you have one I I, I think unlike quarterback you can rotate them and you might have one and maybe is, one is, is more accurate with certain types of kicks than the other.
1: So that explains why John Baxter's trying to take two kickers on scholarship every year.
0: <laughs> I, I don't even know where I'm going to rank them. I guess I'm ranking them a three. Oh,
1: okay, yeah, okay. I think I that with, says with two of these
0: guys, they'll be average together. Maybe the starter will be one. more average. But two whole <laughs> average guys will make one average kicker.
1: <laughs> one plus <laughs> one, one equals, equals three. One. <laughs> one plus one equals three. I love it. I think we should just do putter, log, snap, or hold it. No, I good. really do. No. Okay. Do you want to give like a little like prediction for the game or a little like season record prediction or anything like that? I've already you given want, my like... season record prediction. I probably did too, and I forgot. Yeah, so, yeah. remember we did over-unders. We did. Let me tell you what I think is going to happen in this game okay. since I assume they have to read the, I'm gonna, the Maya yeah, I'm going to give my
0: prediction in my column, Maya Tenfold. It's back. So Yay! It for that. And then again, we're going to have the Murph Baldwin podcast coming in a couple days and that will be a deep dive into Western Michigan. But That is
1: going to be our preview.
0: Yeah, You can give that is, your prediction on yes. this show each week.
1: This is not the preview show. Do not get mad at us for this 20-second prediction. USC will kill Western Michigan. It's going to be like 52 to 10 or something. It's going to be really bad. Enjoy. (laughs) All right. So enjoy that massacre. And before we get there, remember, we will have a preview podcast, as Adam said, with Murph Baldwin. It's going to be really good. We expect the world. Make sure to stay on the site and check out all the covers leading up to this first game. Adam's gonna do a lot with uh, you know a lot more preview stuff. There's obviously practices leading up to the game. It's seasons here, guys, so get ready. This is where Adam shines. He's gonna kill it, I'm sure. And we're going to have plenty of recruiting this first week, too. I should say that uh, I expect to be at a few high school games this week, so we expect a lot of recruiting coverage coming after the weekend as well. So a lot of reasons to be excited and to be on Trojansports.com. Remember, if you listen to the podcast, you do not subscribe to the site, you are missing so very much. Without question, get on there. Subscribe. USC.rivals.com slash sign underscore up make sure to get on there it's only uh, it's less than 10 bucks a month totally worth it so for Adam J Maya I am Chris Swanson thank you so much for listening and please please do sign up and even if you don't we'll see you next week and uh, talk to you next week take care
0: thank you